Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Co-op Podcast, episode 223. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's going good, man. I'm just chilling at my friend's house right now. I'm excited for the show. Good to be back. Absolutely. Uh, we're also joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? Hey, dude, it's going pretty good. Happy to be back as always. Yes. Uh, we also have Miss Dana Abercrombie. How's it going, Dana? Hello, everyone. Just at home, chilling by myself because I have no friends. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm also in the same boat. But uh, I no, I will. No, technically not. All my friends are here. So we'll leave it at that. And uh, we're also joined by a very special guest today, Mr. Ramis Quadri. And I hope that I pronounced that correct, because if not, then we may have some problems. <laughs> You've known me for years. You pronounced it okay. It's fine. <laughs> okay. All right. It's awesome. Good. Thanks yeah, for so, having me on. Oh, yes. Thank you for, for actually coming on today. You know, for those of you who are not familiar with who Ramis is, he actually designed our logo. Um, and he's been with the site for a long time since the beginning actually when gary was around so yes glad to have you on today's show should be a very interesting discussion because uh we have a lot of topics to get into um we uh we're not joined by mr lugo today because he has some other business to take care of but uh he will be back in the future for sure so uh before we get into our topics of course we're going to let you all know what we have been playing because it's been a very crazy uh a uh, busy season for all of us, pretty much. Uh, so, Max, how about you start us off and let us know what you've been playing? All right, so I've been playing quite a bit of Evil Within 2. Um, I went into it with some pretty high expectations, but I've been pretty blown away so far by what I've played. I think I'm like seven or eight hours in by now. So probably around halfway through the game, if not a little less. And it's kind of like a destiny 2 situation whereas the first well i'd say evil within one was a better attempt at a game than destiny one was but um in terms of how the sequel totally expands on the first one's gameplay because i know i really liked the first one for how like kind of claustrophobic and difficult and kind of linear it was and how it was just kind of a straightforward experience but i know that that was kind of a complaint for a lot of people so what they did with the second game was they tried to address that and kind of cater to both players so like you have the first hour or so of the game which is still linear it's very evil within it's exactly what you'd expect uh, as it kind of introduced the story and also they answer a bunch of questions from the first game almost right away which is awesome too but um and then it's interesting you get into like chapter three which is like the first real kind of level and it turns into this almost like open world level kind of like dishonored where you kind of have a hub And then you have all these different side missions and places you can go to that are entirely optional or you could just like floor it through the game. But and then you have this big area to explore and you have like dialogue trees. Now you have a really deep skill tree. You have different interesting kind of RPG mechanics that just were technically in the first game, but they weren't very in depth. And it's really interesting to see them do this sort of stuff. Like you have conversations kind of like dead rising even like some of it like some of the survivors that you find running around it reminds me of dead rising where you just kind of have these awkward conversations with them it's kind of funny and quirky but um overall i've thoroughly been enjoying that so far like they 
I didn't think Evil Within would work as kind of an open world game, but so far it's being pulled off really well because there's still a lot of stealth mechanics and there's more than enough enemies to make it where you still have to be very careful and you can't just sprint around everyone. It's still a very difficult game. This definitely didn't compromise on the difficulty, which is cool. And then I got a bit further than that, and then it goes back into linearity for a little bit, and you have, like, boss fights. It's more traditional Evil Within, and then I'm going to assume it's going to open up into another open level with more side quests and everything like that. It's really, really cool how they tackle this sort of stuff. And so far, I'm enjoying the plot of it. It's a bit convoluted, but so was the first game. But then again, in the first game, you didn't even know what was going on until about three-fourths into the game, and then it made the earlier parts of the game actually make sense. So I don't really see that as a flaw. I see that more as like the psychological kind of thriller that it's supposed to be. I still don't find it super scary. There are definitely tense moments where like I'm on the edge of my seat and everything, but that's like me running from enemies when I'm about to die and stuff like that. It's not necessarily me being horrified. It's very tense moments though. I've had a few jump scares here and there, but I'm still really, really enjoying it. Just 100%. Very, very cool game. One of my favorite games of the year so far. That sounds oh, awesome. And I got to try Cuphead. I got to try Cuphead last night for about 20 minutes. We beat three bosses. I did it in co-op mode, and that was really, really cool. It controls phenomenally, as you can tell, as you can probably tell by watching it. Um, I will say that the co-op, even though it's really cool, it can be kind of hard to tell like who's who. Because you have the red cup and the blue or I think the first one's red, and then the blue cup. And when you're jumping, trying to dodge all these different attacks and everything, it can be hard to tell which one is which. But um that's kind of a minor complaint. It's a really, really addictive game. And I didn't realize that you could get like different upgrades and moves and stuff. I thought it was going to be a very bare bones, just like kind of boss rush type game, but it's not. It's a lot more in depth than I thought it was because I'm trying to stay in the dark about it until I can play it myself. I'm going to pick it up for myself for Christmas or something like that. But it's awesome. It's so, 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 so awesome. <clears throat> All right. I, I just want to make a two quick comments. Uh, first and foremost, First and foremost, so Evil Within, to you, you, you mentioned it. It reminds you of Destiny Two, um, <laughs> in I, terms I, of improvement. Okay, to okay. the first one. Okay, okay, good. I, I just wanted to make sure that we threw that in there because some some people, you know, I mean, I think Destiny Two is great, <laughs> but there are some that had now they have started to say, you know what, it was a fun experience, but I'm moving on to something else. So I just wanted to uh, get some clarification. Um, also, I have to ask yeah. this this very last question about uh, Cuphead. Now, you said that you beat three bosses uh, in about 20 minutes, right? Yes, actually. Well, it, we started at the beginning, and the person I was playing with, he had been playing the game for a bit. So he already knew what to do, and he was like telling me what to do uh, for oh. some of the bosses. So okay. I think that's why it was a bit easier. Okay, because um, okay, because I was going to ask. So, so you need to tell us, you know, what cheat codes did you use to uh to actually get through the game that quick? <laughs> so, so I'm glad you clarified that. Yes. Yeah. No, and I think he picked specifically easier bosses. I couldn't really tell what he was doing. He was just like rushing through things and then telling me what to do. So I was like, okay, and we just did them. <laughs> That's cool. But it was very very fun. Yeah, it, it is. It is a fun game. We, we are going to talk about that in a, in, a, in a in a little bit. But yeah, great games. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to checking out Evil Within too. For those that have already checked out the game, definitely feel free to let us know what your thoughts are on the game as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, moving on, uh, Dana, how about you? Let us know what you've been playing. Well, I haven't had an opportunity to sit down and like you know fully play games and immerse myself into it. I've been busy with New York Comic Con. 
and I attended a Square um, Enix event. So I've been kind of busy playing those games. Um, I'm not going to go. I played a total of 23. I'm not going to go into all 23. I'm going to just tell you what my top favorite was um, Monster Hunter World. Absolutely love that game. It's a big improvement on the original one. More monsters, more like the maps or whatever. You, uh, very huge. Um, better equipment. The controllers for me just worked much better. Um, it was it seemed to be much more controlled. It was more guided. And I really love working in teams. So we ended up playing like a team of four. And it just it worked out so great. We lost. We won. It was just one of those games that you don't care whether or not you win. You just really enjoy playing. Um, another one that I've played is called Spelunker Party. That's by Square Enix. It doesn't come out until, I think, the end of October. That was one of my one of my favorite games. It's um very sensitive. You will die basically even if you sneeze. It's kind of like Cuphead in the sense of how hard it is to beat. Although I do applaud you, Max, for you know beating three bosses in twenty minutes. Um, that was one of my favorites. One game that I really could not stand was called Lost Fear. Um, it comes out later this year for um, PS4. And basically, I while I was playing it, I fell asleep. I can't even tell you a single thing about it because I was just so bored that I fell asleep. Um, but it is coming out for the Nintendo Switch, the PlayStation 4, and um, PC, if anyone really cares, but I, I just don't recommend that. Um, one of my other favorite games, it was mobile, but um, I enjoyed the... Um, uh, what was it? I enjoyed... They have um, Naruto x Baruto. Ninja Voltage and Naruto, I cannot pronounce his name, Shippuden, Ultimate Ninja Blazing. Those are my two favorite games that I played at um, the con. So, yeah, those that's what I've been playing. And I've snuck in a little bit of Cuphead. It's too hard. I'm dying all the time. But, again, it's one of those games This is really fun to play, even if you die. I agree. I agree. And allow me to say that I'm very glad to hear that you survived Comic-Con because I heard it was a complete disaster. Um, it was a disaster. Yes. Three so. locations, over 200,000 people, and they canceled some panels. It was a disaster. Yay. But I got a lot of great interviews, and he has a lot of great game coverage. So that was the plus side. You know, I almost died in the process, but yay, Comic-Con. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. We'll see. Okay, uh, I'm going to go to Ramis next. Let us know what you've been playing. Uh, well, just now, I was playing with Gary on the Raspberry Pi. We just played, like, Final Fight 3, and we just managed to complete it <laughs> just before we started this show, so there's that. Um, normally, though, just been playing uh, Dishonored 2. Death of the Outsider, the DLC, um, which is all right. It, no, it's actually really good. Um, Dishonored is one of my favorite kind of franchise games. So I do love the whole story. I do love the whole surrounding and the elements of that game. And um, playing as Billy Lurk is interesting because you don't exactly have the powers of the Outsiders, but, um, you know, protecting Dowd and kind of playing that whole story as it is in anyways and, eventually seeing Dowd get old and frail and everything like that. It's, it's quite interesting because you do kind of build like a connection with the characters in a sense. And if you like the story enough anyways, um, 
That is pretty much it, to be fair. Last week or two weeks ago, I completed Lost Legacy, the Uncharted DLC game. Um, also really good. Uh, not as um, cool, like not as enjoyable as the Uncharted games itself, but um, you kind of do like the characters and everything. And um, or until Sam comes into it. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about him that I just do not like. Uh, he just kind of ruins the whole mood, in my opinion. But um, everyone else, Chloe, uh, even the bad guy was really cool. And um, yeah, just been playing short games at the moment. That's That's been my experience. Hey, sounds awesome, man. Uh, I, I don't think that Gary would, would like what you have to say about Sam, because I heard that that was one of Gary's most favorite characters from Uncharted 4, so... Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's just odd. Like He just came out of nowhere, and I don't know. The humor just kind of dies down a little bit with me whenever he speaks and tries to make a joke out of every situation sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, no, it is enjoyable nonetheless, and... Um, yeah, I liked it. Thought it was a good game. Absolutely, yes. Okay, uh, Gary, how about you let us know what you've been playing? <laughs> yeah, so you already know I've been playing Overwatch. And, um, yeah, th- this week um, they actually launched the Halloween update. So um, they brought back the Junkenstein PvE mode, which is pretty cool. And they actually um, added on to it because now Symmetra is part of it as well. And um, they released a bunch of new skins that are pretty cool for the game as well. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm just as addicted to Overwatch as always, trying to unlock all the skins and stuff. Um, I will say, well, we're going to have a discussion about the loot boxes later on, so I'll save what I have to say till then, actually. But, yeah, Overwatch is still fantastic to me. And um, I also, uh, because it's been, you know, two weeks since the last show, um, I did start Yakuza 0. Um, you know, last week. And um, that's pretty cool. You know, I I kind of um, decided to get into that game because, you know, I'm kind of done with Persona Persona 5 because I basically beat that game twice to get, you know, all the content and everything out of it. Um, And I was suggested to play, you know, Yakuza 0 because it's basically similar. It's, It's an RPG. It's set in Japan and everything. So, um, yeah, so far it's been a pretty cool game. The visuals are really good. Um, but I have to be in a certain mood to play that game because um, it's it's Japanese dialogue with um, English subs. So I can't, you know, play that game all the time because I have to kind of really concentrate on what's going on just to keep up with everything. So it's not a game I can just play to, like, kind of relax and, you know, have fun and stuff. I have to really be in the mood to play it kind of thing so i might get through that game kind of slow to be honest but it is a good game though um and i also got back into horizon zero dawn finally as well um i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to beat that game because this is a, a very tough month because there's a lot of games coming out this month we still have assassin's creed coming out and i'm going to be reviewing um gran turismo sport as well so yeah, I'm, I'm not going to have a lot of time to continue to play all these games. But um, Horizon is, is fantastic. Like, you know, visually it's stunning. Um, the gameplay is really fun to play. And there's a lot of content in it. So, yeah, loving Horizon. 
And um, like Ram said as well, we just got done playing a bunch of um, retro games from, you know, Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive and um, the the Super Nintendo. Um, I'm not going to tell you how exactly this was possible, but yeah, um, let's just say the Raspberry Pi is great. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much all I've been playing. Yeah, sounds sounds good, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Gran Turismo Sport. Also, <laughs> dude, props to you for being able to play Overwatch every week. Honestly, yeah. you yeah, know what, think, like, like you know what makes it hard not to play, like, because now I have, I have like a team on both the US server and the Europe server. So, like, even if I just have the BattleNet client launched, like, people hit me up all the time to play. Like they're like, oh, we need an extra man for comp, or can you play right now? So it's like it's so hard to like, you know, stop playing <laughs> because people are just always yeah. hitting me up. It's like I was gonna play something. Uh, nope, Overwatch. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like Gary's one of those hired mercs that people need to get online. So it's just like he gets a message and you can imagine Gary's got like feet up on the table and smoking a cigar or something. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll help you out. I'll help you go. Cigar toss. Exactly. Cigar toss, you know, <laughs> cracks his neck, flexes his arms and then just gets on the controller and plays some Overwatch. Amazing. <laughs> a myth. Yeah, man, I'm Han Solo out here. <laughs> good times absolutely uh, I'm going to have to make sure that uh, Activision Blizzard they, they definitely uh, recognize you as one of the most loyal players uh, in the future next time I go to an event I'm going to tell them yeah you need to contact this guy he plays Overwatch every single week talks about it on the podcast every week they need to be sending you some checks yeah they, uh, definitely, they definitely need to Like, I'd, I'd promote the hell out of that game <laughs> Uh, well, we'll see what happens. So um, as for what I've been playing, well, as as uh, Gary's well, Gary's mentioned already, you know, we, we didn't have a show last week. You know, I know we had uh, some weather issues over here that was impacting power. That was the why I could not uh, record last week. But uh, pretty much I've been very busy. There's been a lot of games coming out. Um so I'll go ahead and talk about a few of the smaller things. I did play the Star Wars Battlefront 2 beta. Uh, Mr. Lugo and I have recorded a video, which is currently on the YouTube channel. Uh, by the time you see this particular podcast on the site, it will be on the site also. I just haven't had a chance to really uh, put it up yet because I've been very busy working on a lot of different things. But Star Wars Battlefront 2, it's uh, – I mean, I enjoy the game so far. The multiplayer is what was fun for what it for what for what it is. It is feel does feel like it's a little bit more improved in certain areas compared to the last game. Um, obviously, they have their own version of loot box controversy going on now. We will talk about that later. But uh, so far, I think it's it's a good game. Um, it's a game that I may consider picking up, but it all depends if I will have the time because there's a lot of games that are out now and that is only going to get worse as we get closer to the holiday season. So we'll see about that. I've also played Shadow of War, and I did speak about this on the Throwdown um, podcast on Thursday night. Uh, yeah, Shadow of War is, 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 is still satisfying. It's, it's great. There's just a lot of things to do in that game. Uh, and if you're somebody who is trying to prioritize certain games over others, 
well, you're going to find yourself in a very difficult uh, position because this is a game that demands a lot from you. Uh, the fighting is one aspect to it, but then if you're trying to collect stuff, like I'm somebody who plays the game and I try to collect everything, unlock all the secrets, stuff like that. So it's going to take a while for me to get through Shadow of War. But uh, uh, the whole loot box controversy with that game, it hasn't really impacted me quite yet. I hear that that does change as you get towards the end of the game and into Act 4 with a lot of the grinding and stuff like that. So we'll see what that's all about. But uh, so far, it's a great game. Um, I'm sure I'll have more to say on that as we, you know, over the next couple of weeks. And then obviously, if we get into when we talk about our game of the year discussion, you know, I don't know if that game will be included in it yet, because again, I'm not that far in the game yet. But uh, I'm pretty sure I will at the very least talk more about it once I've actually gotten to the end and whether or not the loot box is a real big issue for me as it has been for some others. Um, Next up, uh, another game that has loot boxes, well, their own version of loot boxes, and I did find to be rather ridiculous, Forza Motorsport 7. You know, I have a review on the website right now. Um, it's, it's a great racing game, and, and that's, the, that's the problem. It, it's a great game in terms of, you know, when you drive the actual cars, in terms of the amount of cars that you're able to select. It, it has a lot of great things about it, but the prize crates and the way that that whole system is put together, it's, it is a grind. You know, there's about over 700 cars that you can get in the game. Uh, you do get some cars free, and then there are other instances where you'll get some discounts on other cars. But just the grind to get the cars, to get the driver gear, because that's the other thing that they really promote this year, the fact that the avatar, the, the driver can now have different gear that can be changed out. To get that and to get the actual cars, it is a ridiculous grind, you know, because you'll earn money from races, but ultimately, you know, the prize crates offer you a little bit more of an incentive uh, to try and get other things. So it almost promotes you to really rely on the, those crates just to get other things within the game. And that's where I think it's a bit of an issue. But again, we'll talk about the loot stuff later. The game by itself is, is good what they have, the dynamic weather, that is something they should have had in this series a long time ago. They did have it in Horizon, but to have it in the actual main Forza game is a big deal, and it is fantastic. So that was another great game. Uh, now, jumping from that game to another game, which we are going to have a review about soon on the website, Gran Turismo Sport. Um, let me just say this right now, okay? Uh, Gran Turismo Sport, it does have a lot less. Well, I was, I'm just going to be, you know, keep it, keep it real 100%. Maybe there's about maybe 170 cars in the game. Um, there is some Porsches in there. A lot, a lot of the same type of cars you will find in a Forza. It's just less cars. It doesn't have the dynamic weather. Um, you know, you can obviously change the settings, whether you want to race in the night, day, or in range, so on and so forth. And the biggest issue to me is, you know, the game, most of all of the game has to be played online. Now, you can play the arcade mode and it's not in online because that's what I have been playing for like the last couple of days. But the fact that it, it, that it does have less features, the dynamic, dynamic weather is not there. And the fact that, of course, the online thing, I'm finding some real issues with that thus far. Um, but you know, again, I have to spend more time with the game before I can really talk more about it. So we'll have more to say on that game by the next co-op, and we should have a review up later this week. 
Um, but I could say right now, if I was to make a recommendation on a racing game that people should look into, um, I'm going to say if you're a Gran Turismo fan, then definitely pick up the game. But in terms of the better, the best racing game right now, it, to me, it, it still is Forza. You know, now Project Cars 2, this is a game that I've also just picked up and I have to try that out. But right now, I would say even with the bad practices with the whole microtransactions in Forza 7, this is that I think that's still a better racing game so far. Now, I may have a different opinion next week, but Gran Turismo, you know, it's it's more about those who are fans of the series. I think they'll be happy just because this is a new Gran Turismo. But in terms of what it offers, it doesn't offer as much as the competition. Um, that's okay for some people. Uh, for me, it's it's okay, but it, it's hard to look at this and then look at other games and say, well, if you're going to ask me what the better racing game is, I can't tell you Gran Turismo is that game, but it's still a good game. It's not a bad game. It's just it's different. That's 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 about the most that I can say. Um, so two other very quick things to mention, because as I said, I played a lot of games. I've also played Guardians of the Galaxy Episode 4, the episode that just came out. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers because there may be some that are actually playing this game or waiting for the whole season to release before they play it. I will just say this. This had to be one of the better episodes that they've had uh, since the season started. Because, uh, you know, as they do have certain characters, they make the focal point in the in the actual story. Like in episode two, the story was mainly about uh, Rocket. Uh, episode three was about Gamora and her sister. So this episode was about... Uh, you know, Drax. And there's a lot of things that they do in the storyline that it's a very important decisions that you have to make, and it does impact the team. So I have to give them props on that. I think that this definitely is one of the better episodes that they've had. As I said, I don't want to get into any spoilers because some people on this panel may actually be wanting to play this game as well as people listening to the show. So I don't want to spoil nothing for you, but we will talk about the episodes in full after the whole season has come out. But a great episode. I definitely will recommend it. If you already have the season pass, you should play this episode as soon as possible. Um, it's a lot of fun. And last, but certainly certainly not least, um, I did play Batman, The Evil Within, uh, episode two. Um, what can I say about this episode? It's, I mean, it's here's the thing. The big drawing part behind this particular episode is that, you know, we get to see Harley Quinn. They introduce her in a different way. But to me, it, this episode it had a few issues because it, it starts to feel as though it's becoming very evident that Telltale is using the same formula over and over again for these games uh, because some of the choices that you make. And then the fact that this whole episode is about, you know, Bruce Wayne trying to get in with the bad guys and prove that he is on the same level as them and that he's also capable of doing bad things, right? So this is very similar to how the Guardians of the Galaxy games are set up, where as Peter Quill, you have to gain the uh, trust and reliance of everybody on the team. So a lot of times that means you have to go and have these conversations with different characters to try and side with them. And then when, there's a, 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 when something happens that requires making different choices, you have to make a choice that aligns with either one character or another. So when I say that Telltale is using the same formula, that's exactly what that is with this. And I find that to be a little bit problematic. Plus, they, when they introduce the other characters who are friends of the Riddler, um, some of them are underutilized because you only see them like for like a brief period of time. 
Whereas, take for example, Bane is in this episode. You get a a a, a very good good mindset perspective of that character in this particular episode. But then later in the episode, we are introduced to Mr. Freeze, and you only see this guy for like a split second. The the dialogue is very minimal, so you don't really have a deeper sense of the character quite yet. Um, and this is what I think the issue is when you have a game where you want to introduce a lot of different characters, but you don't spend enough time on certain characters. So maybe things will get better in episode three where they'll focus more on other characters, but I would say the issues they have in that episode it definitely shows that Telltale is wearing themselves thin with the formula that they have. Um, but again, we have to see how the rest of the season plays out before we give a final verdict on the whole season. But I definitely think episode two is a little bit weaker than the first episode. There's no doubt about that because so much happens in the first episode that really changes the shift of the storyline. And it's a little disappointing to see it, the follow up to it in the second episode. So we'll see what happens. But How, um, many, how many episodes are this season? It's uh, five episodes. Okay. Um, I think the third episode is going to be later this month or next month. I'm not 100% certain about that because it's probably more likely going to be next month because this episode was earlier this month. So we'll see. But um, I, I, I just want to emphasize the, 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 the game itself, the episodes are not bad. Like it's not a bad season. But obviously, I'm just saying, as someone who's been playing these Telltale games, you start to see stuff you're like, you know, this is, this is a lot very similar. Because I, I, oftentimes I sit here wondering, how are they able to get these episodes done so quick? How you're able to do Guardians of the Galaxy and then just immediately shift towards Batman and the whole thing goes back to taking shortcuts. Um, so obviously, not all bad, but it, when you start to see that stuff, you get a little concerned. Um, but still... You know, like I said, I'll have more to say on that season once I've actually finished it. Episode two, just not as good as the first episode, but maybe it might get better. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. But um, yeah, I know I had a lot to say at that point, but hey, you know, we, we didn't do a show last week. So, you know, there's a lot of games I've been playing. So that pretty much covers uh, what we've all been playing um, as of late. So uh we're going to go ahead and jump right into the topics because we do have quite a bit to get into. Some of these probably won't really be too long, but we'll see how the conversation goes. So uh, the first topic, I'm going to do this one first since this is obviously the oldest news. Uh, we did find out uh, about a few weeks ago that uh, Andrew House has stepped down as a Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO. Uh, he has already been, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be there until the end of the year, but he's going to be replaced by uh, another individual. I'm not really looking at the article at the moment right now to say his name. So I may say it in a little while after I get that information. But uh, just wanted to get some initial thoughts because I think that I know I can speak for myself that we have a lot of fans that uh, they think that we come up with the controversial titles. And they probably thought, well, these guys are definitely going to make this uh, a, a title of this episode. But no, no, we have other things we had to talk about in regards to the industry. But did you guys have any thoughts on? Andrew House stepping down and whether or not this is a good or a bad thing for Sony as a company. So, Max, how about you start us off? Um, so, what the one thing I thought was weird about this was that it was just kind of like immediate. It seemed almost out of nowhere that he was just stepping down. Like, I know he's staying in until the end of the year to make the transition easier. 
But um, I know that his, I think it was his deputy president was the position. Uh, Ben Cochera, maybe? It was something Cochera uh, is taking over. And they've both been with the company for a really long time. They both like came from the bottom and have been up and been with the company for like 10, 15, 20 years and so. So honestly, I think that the company is still in good hands. Um, it's just interesting that Andrew House is just like dropping like that. You know what I mean? It just came out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah, effective immediately. I, I wonder if there was like some issue or if like, I don't know. It's interesting because not a lot of information has come out about it aside from the fact that he's leaving. You know what I mean? I just think I just find that a little bit off. I, I mean, I'm not getting any weird vibes from it at the same time, though. Like maybe he's just tired and just wants to be done. And maybe this was in talks for a while. And this is the first time they decided to announce it. I don't know yet. But I think that we're not going to see much change. I think it's just going to happen. And then things are just going to continue as they have been for the most part, which have been good. Don't get me wrong. And that's just the thing. They just need to keep doing good things, which they've been doing. I don't think there needs to be any drastic changes or will be any drastic changes. Yeah. I I, I mean, it's everything you said very well put. I agree with that a hundred percent. I just wanted to make it clear also. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it really is going to be any significant issues or any changes that come from this. Obviously, you know, Sony, uh, the PlayStation 4 is the leading console in this generation. I think that will continue. Um, They've been doing a great job this year with the software. So I don't really think that Sony has anything to worry about. They just need to continue doing what they're doing and they'll be fine. It doesn't really matter who is in charge. Yeah, uh, Andrew House is is great. He's he's done a lot of great things for Sony, but, uh, you know, they will continue to be successful without him, I would think, in the long run. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Dana, you have any thoughts? I think that this is, a, you know, a good idea. I don't really see it being anything negative so far. And we're just one of those things you just have to wait and see. It doesn't say that they're trying to, you know, implement new things. It's just him stepping down. It really doesn't give an answer. And it doesn't necessarily have to be negative. So it's just one of those wait and see moments. Absolutely. Yes. Great points. Okay, uh Ramiz, you have any thoughts? Um I'm just reading about it now really, like who he is and everything. And it's just um it just seems like a simple step down sort of thing. Like he's been at the company for years. Like uh, since 1990 and helped launch you know the first playstation in 95 uh it just looks like he's just casually like handing it over to his friend who i wouldn't be surprised when he if he like steps down himself in like three years time at least or something because the other guy seems to be like he's been there for ages as well so it just seems like a simple time's over just want to chill out whatever and he's becoming like a chairman, is it? Something like that. So, yeah, kudos to him, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, pretty much. And how about you, Gary? Because uh, we know that uh, people like to say that you always have something bad to say about Sony. So what are your thoughts on this topic? <laughs> uh, well, you know, not not all the time, but um, <laughs> I did... I did have a conversation about this topic with a throwback member of the coalition. Um, Rich, I know you know him, but um, other people might not know him. Uh, we call him Hyper Soniku. So um, I actually spoke to him on Facebook regarding 
uh, this topic when it when the news first came out. And um, you know, one of the things that he mentioned was that the guy replacing Andrew House, he's he's Japanese. So he thinks that, you know, this will um it might affect the Western side of Sony in terms of the game division and stuff. Um, you know, particularly the relationships with other Western publishers and things of that nature. And also, you know, we spoke about Andrew House's comments regarding handhelds and the fact that he's not really into handhelds and he doesn't really like them much. But then there are people on the Japanese side who still kind of want to explore the handheld side of the market, especially with the success of, um, you know, the Nintendo Switch. So I, I like, you know, based on the conversation I had with Hypersoniku, I do believe there will be some effect um of, of house's departure but we probably won't see you know the any effect of this until you know maybe a couple years down the line or something because they they already have like a set plan in place likely of what they want to do for the next couple years or so so the new guy that steps in you know he, he he just basically has to follow that plan you know and see things through and then after that, we'll probably kind of start to see changes in, you know, um, the the direction of, you know, the, the gaming division of Sony and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how things play out in the long term after this. That That is some great insight. And shout out to Hyper, because uh, I didn't know any of that information. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the future holds, but uh, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think, it's, I don't think it's a bad, I, I, yeah, I still don't think it's a bad thing, uh, at least not, not right now, because you know, Sony is on top, um, in the eyes of everybody, so they just need to continue releasing great games, uh, doing a good job supporting the gamers, and I think everything will be fine in the long run. But uh, yes, good thoughts all around. Any final words on this topic before we move on to the next? No, I'm good. Okay, yeah, I'm good. so sh- shifting focus, well, now we're going to talk about Max's game. Uh, we learned on Friday, this past Friday, that, uh, you know, we learned that Cuphead has now sold over 1 million copies across both PC and Xbox One. Uh, keep in mind, this game has only been out for about a little over two weeks, and this is an independent uh, publisher. Uh, but I thought this news was fantastic. You know, I definitely wanted to get some thoughts on it because uh, we have spoke on this show before. We heard the stories about, you know, the developers, the two the two guys that started this, having to, uh, you know, pretty much ex- exhausting all their resources to make sure the game was a success, you know. So when you hear success stories like this, I think you definitely definitely have to acknowledge it. So I just wanted to get some thoughts on this happening for Cuphead as well as uh, Studio behind it. Uh, so, Max, how about you start us off? Well, I think this is awesome. Uh, as I was explaining earlier, I think that the game is absolutely excellent, so this is very well-deserved. Um, this is a big win for Xbox, to say the least, and Microsoft in general, because uh, it's interesting because I've been seeing a lot of people on my friend... <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I've been seeing a lot of people on my Xbox friends list who have been mostly inactive, logging in pretty frequently to be playing this game tony being one of those people actually he always logs in and i see him streaming i get like a notification for it which is pretty funny but um i'm 
I don't want to say I'm surprised that this is the type of game to do it because I feel like that's giving it a disservice, but this it's not like a necessarily a mainstream appealing game. You know what I mean? It's a very difficult game. It's kind of niche in the fact that it's targeting like the old cartoons and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the fact that just everyone is really jumping on it and loving it is pretty cool in my opinion. Like that surprises me. And I think that that's awesome. Like it kind of broke its way into the mainstream. And I know that it had a lot of development hell issues. They restructured the type of game it was going to be. So it's nice that it still ended up being really good and being really successful and worth all of their time and effort, you know, and hopefully this has Microsoft putting more risk, more investment into riskier titles and IPs, you know, Hopefully this will lead them into doing something like that because that would be really cool. And it's also interesting because this isn't like, I know that they're trying to sell the Xbox One X and everything, and this isn't the type of game that needs like a powerhouse console or anything like that. So it's kind of interesting for them to come out with this type of game right before that type of console because this is not the game that's going to sell an X, you know what I mean? So it's interesting, but I'm really, really happy to see that it's doing so well. Like A million in two weeks is awesome. Like I know it's also across PC as well, but um. I have to imagine most of the people got it on Xbox because the Windows Store is an awful place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good, good, good points. Now, I have a question I'm going to ask, but I'm going to wait till I get everybody's opinion first. Uh, so, uh, Dana, you have any thoughts on this news? I think that it's great. The game itself is really wonderful. I enjoy playing it. It's one of those games where, you know, you just suffer through it. But it makes it fun. It's nothing better than, you know, you're dying, but you're having fun at the same time. And I think that it became so successful because of basic word of mouth. You know, I can't go anywhere without hearing about Cuphead. And it's just basic conversations of people having. They're, they're spreading the word, and this became really successful, and I'm really happy for them because it's a game that deserves that success. So, yay. I just hope that this doesn't result into, like, you, they try to make a franchise out of it until they bleed it dry, and it's just terrible a couple years later. Well, hey, hopefully not. Uh, but considering how long it take, took for this game to get done, I don't know if they're going to do another Cuphead any time in the future. I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay, uh, Ramis, any thoughts on this news? Uh, it's it's good news for them, I guess. I mean, my hype for the game has kind of died down a little bit, but I'm still interested to play it. Hopefully sometime next week I'll get a chance to. Um, but yeah, no, it's good news. It's it's something that's needed after the hard work that's been put into it and everything um despite any sort of minor complaints about it maybe being too hard or whatever it's still kind of got the appreciation it deserved in a sense the art style's beautiful and it's a challenge you kind of need those games in some sense so yeah kudos to them absolutely uh gary any thoughts <laughs> Um, I, I think, you know, this is great news and, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful that um, Xbox owners have a game to play now. You know, th- I think that's a really good thing and we should all be appreciative of that, um, you know, because it's, it's about time, you know, there's something. And I actually like the style of the game. Like, it's something that I would consider getting, you know, if I had an Xbox, like I would, you know, I would get that eventually, even though I'm, you know, 
um, people joke that I'm bad at 2D scrolling games and stuff like platformers and stuff like that. So I'd probably be terrible at the game, but I'd still give it a go just because I really like the art style and, you know, how it looks like an old school cartoon and everything. And the difficulty is something that I think draws people to it as well, because um, it makes you want to attempt to, you know, to get as far as you can in the game. So that's something that would make you want to play more, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it's pretty cool for Xbox, you know, that the game is selling well and everything. Okay, yes, good thoughts all around. Now, I do have one quick question I want to ask before we move on to the next topic. I, you know, I got to keep it real here at all times. Do you think that if this game was only on Xbox and not PC, that the sales would be this good? Uh no. <laughs> also, um, I was say yeah, but I, really, I want to hear this. Oh, go ahead. Let's let's hear what Max has to say first, and I'm gonna hear you what why you say uh, uh yeah, go, yes. Go ahead, Max. Okay. Well, um, also really quickly, um, people said that Mark and everyone else in the chat was saying that Cuphead is not just on the Windows Store; it's also on Steam and GOG, which is probably where a majority of the PC sales came from. Um, which was also going to change uh, my thoughts as well, because I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of Xbox owners, but he said, they said around 600 K of the sales of Cuphead were on steam. Uh, I have to imagine a majority of those people maybe don't even own Xboxes just based on like the market share. You know, that's entirely an assumption. Of course, that's not, there's not a lot of fact in that, but that's just my guess. Um, but I have to imagine, because like I'm the type of person that if I was, I'm going to get Cuphead on my Xbox and not on Steam. You know what I mean? I feel like anyone that has an Xbox, they would be looking for a way to utilize it and they probably play it a lot. So they would be getting Cuphead on the console, on the console. You know what I mean? But I just feel like there isn't enough people with an Xbox <laughs> with it to, to be, to be completely honest with you. And I just don't, I don't think that people would have picked up an Xbox to get this game in the first place either. I think that Microsoft knew they had to put it on PC because they wouldn't, it wouldn't have sold as well. And I know that's like kind of their whole end game and kind of future plan is to put it all on PC and everything else because not enough games sell on Xbox when they're just on Xbox. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's part of the reason as well. Very good explanation. Yes. Okay, Gary. Now, what what, what were you going to say? Oh, um, you know what happened? I actually misread the the news because it says it sold one million across PC and Xbox. I thought it was like one million on both. So, um, yeah, um, Max is right, I guess. You know, it... <laughs> dude, that would have been crazy. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, if it sold six hundred thousand on PC alone, then uh, yeah. Uh, that's crazy. It, it definitely wouldn't have done as well if it was just Xbox only. Yeah, that that that, that that's my thought also. Even though the game is it's only twenty dollars, so it's definitely affordable for a lot of people versus picking up a sixty dollar game. But uh, I believe the PC thing absolutely positively um, that that helped them out significantly, uh, and I'm glad. Like again, you know, we already know we've heard the stories about what these guys went through. Um, so I'm glad that the game is getting this much success and hopefully, um, 
is you know they're able to as mark said in the chat they can pay off their their, their houses uh they can do everything they have to do now to actually live comfortably um and you know if they want to start to work on another game well we'll see what they do in the future but very glad the game has turned out as well as it did i did get a chance to play a little bit of it but i also have to say yeah the game is difficult so i i need to practice before i actually uh get further into the game but the art style is fantastic um and it's always great to hear stories like this so definitely glad that uh they received this news but uh any final thoughts before we move on to the next topic uh, i do have one question like yes is the game harder with two players okay <laughs> i was just gonna say like a lot of the com not complaints but you know a lot of people have issues okay maybe not issues either but they say, you know, how hard it is, but I always see one player modes like through videos and everything. And um, I just always wonder to myself, like, why not just play two players? You know, why not just get a friend to play two players? Hopefully you can get through the game that way. But I guess with like all multiplayer modes, the game just gets even more tougher. So never mind. <laughs> oh, 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 no, oh, no, no. That, that, yeah, that, that's a good question. I think Max would... You know, because well, Max, you did play with the co-op, so you would know if it was a little bit difficult, well, a little, a little bit easier or, or not. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say, actually. So when I got to try it really quickly, um, yeah, Mark just said it in the chat as well. Uh, you can revive and do double damage. And that's why, because you guys were commenting on how quickly we were able to kill those bosses. That I feel like that's the reason why. Because don't get me wrong, like, they were the easier bosses. Like, I think he picked the easier ones on purpose. And again, he told me what to do already. So like, even though I would have figured it out pretty quickly, cause it's like, you could tell what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when to dodge and stuff after like one or two deaths, but, um, two people definitely makes it much easier. Like the bosses were dying quickly enough to where I was kind of surprised by how quickly they were dying. And I don't think that would have happened in single player. But again, I don't, I didn't get like the best testing. I didn't get to play single player and I didn't get to try any harder bosses. But I think that's a pretty, a pretty um, solid assumption. I think that if it's co-op, it's probably much easier. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, whatever makes the game fun, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just because I always watch like loads of people play one player mode, and then they're just frustrated, and you know, yeah. Did you get angered? But then it's just like, get a friend. <laughs> you know, just... Yeah, I've, I've actually seen that too now thinking about it, like on Twitter and stuff. All the stills and everything. Yeah. And people like streaming it. They always are always playing single player. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Multiplayer just seems more enjoyable at least. You get a laugh out of it with your friends and stuff. But uh, single player just seems like it might make it harder to enjoy the visuals maybe of the game because people are just so much more frustrated playing the game and just getting killed all the time but then i would assume like you know play with a friend just enjoy it just have a laugh with them and all around more fun in a sense but yeah i, I will say that um i think i mentioned this earlier too but since we have more people in the chat uh playing co-op did make it hard sometimes to see like who is who like i found myself literally staring at the other character thinking i was controlling them because they're so similar looking they're just different colors i think it was red and blue um, that's probably the only quote unquote harder that co-op makes it, but yeah. That's cool. Sounds good. You know, uh, I did see somebody asking in the chat, will this game ever come to other platforms? 
I, I, you know, I, I don't think so, but I don't, you know, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm not sure. I know Microsoft obviously has a deal with these guys. I don't know how long that deal was going for, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll see what the future holds, but awesome. Awesome game. So glad to hear the good news. So any final thoughts before, before we move on to the next topic? All right, so let's go ahead and let's talk very briefly about this news. This is another little tidbit of news. Before we get into some of the real meaty, meaty topics, uh, we also found out on Friday that uh, Humble Bundle has been acquired by IGN. Um, and in the statement that IGN gave, you know, they pretty much uh, said that they have acquired both the charity and the online game store. Uh, they don't have any plan to change anything that of how a humble bundle actually operates now they're just going to basically feed them resources so they could continue doing what they what they're doing so i don't know if you guys had any other thoughts that you wanted to say on this particular news and uh gary i'll let you go first if you have any 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 thoughts thoughts to say on this yeah um i know there's there's probably a lot of um mixed thoughts on this acquisition but um, you know, I just want to be the first to say that I do not like this move at all. Oh, um, and it, this isn't just me hating on IGN or anything like that. You know, I just I don't think it's a good fit. Um, and you know, it's not exactly a conflict of interest, but like I just think it's 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 a real messy acquisition. I think because um, you have to remember that IGN is a corporation. And I just don't like the thought of a corporation being in charge of, you know, anything that's kind of charity related. Because I just feel like um, IGN is going to, you know, skim money from um, Humble Bundle pretty much. I think that's really why they bought them. Um, just so it's, you know, it could be like a, an extra additional revenue stream for IGN. And um, yeah, I, I feel like they're just going to milk the, you know, the whole Humble Bundle thing. Um, I mean, if you look at it from Humble Bundle's perspective, um, they're probably looking at it like, you know, oh, we can um, we can probably get a lot of good, um, like, networking, a lot of clients, a lot of, um, you know, deals and stuff, a lot of offers by partnering with IGN because IGN has a lot of contacts and they do a lot of business with, you know, the the video game publishers and everything like that. So they're probably looking at it like, you know, this is going to help the company get to the next level. But I, I just look at IGN and I think, you know, they're, they're a corporation and corporations want money at the end of the day. Like it's, it's capitalism. So um, I, I just don't like the move. I feel like it's going to affect the Humble Bundle brand moving forward. Mm, interesting. Oh, good. Some good thoughts. Very interesting. So, okay. So, Ramesh, you have any thoughts on this? <laughs> I mean, I've never really bought anything from a humble bundle before, but yeah, you know, just reading about it, I think my thoughts are pretty much the same as Gary's. Um, uh, you can look at it as like IGN using this as a commercial gain, basically, and obviously knowing about humble bundle that they, you know, they help charities a lot they raised like over 100 million apparently for charity it's just kind of like would that money still fully go to them or would most of it go to ITN or 
you know, it, it sounds kind of confusing. I don't think in general anyone likes big corporations just coming in and just taking away something good. But <laughs> um, I think if IGN say, you know, they're not going to change it because if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, maybe they'll go by their word. Who knows? Like, I know there's, there's with charities, when it comes to charities, there's so many like loopholes that, um, you know, they can, companies can do to kind of um, make sure that they're only donating a portion of, you know, the money that's coming in kind of thing. Like there's so many, like there, there's a lot of wording they can use and um, just loopholes to where like the charities will only get like a fraction of really what's raised for them kind of thing you know so i I just feel like ign is gonna kind of do a lot of word games you know of course they're gonna have um a huge legal team so um there's i think there's gonna be a lot of like funny tricks they can use to kind of just funnel a lot of that money back into ign um but yeah i'll shut up now (laughs) no it's a good point i mean i think i think pretty much the same way it's it's just it can be seen as dodgy, maybe, but you know, we could be wrong about IGN. Remember, they used to be the source of gaming news and everything. They were like everyone's favorite site to go to, and then suddenly the kind of mood shift changes, and now they're just seen as this like corporation that just kind of is smug to everyone, and now they're taking good things away <laughs> from people. And it's just um, who knows, really? I think I, I kind of agree though that Humble Bundle. Yeah, uh, it, it looks a bit odd that IGN has acquired this, and it might be a bad thing in a sense. But on my part, I've I've never bought a humble bundle. Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think I think you both made some good points. I guess uh, got to take a wait and see approach to some extent. But you know, yeah, just have to see. What is going to happen? They said there will be no changes, but uh, we we know that things can change, so it's uh it's really hard to gauge. Uh, Max, I believe that you have purchased a Hundle Bundle in the past, maybe maybe not. But what what are your thoughts on this particular to- topic? Oh yeah, I've I've purchased a couple Humble Bundles, not not anything major, but I've got I've probably spent like a hundred dollars on Humble Bundle over the past couple of years. Um, more now that I have a new graphics card, so <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be spending more there now, but, um, so I had a weird feeling in my gut about this, but like, I'm not super informed on like the back end of these kinds of deals and stuff. I just got a weird feeling about it, but I think Gary's explanation, um, that kind of, I feel a lot of the same ways. I just didn't know that I did, if that makes sense, um, until he like explained it. Like that kind of makes a lot of sense to me as to why he's a bit worried about it. Because well, Mark's on the chat, I feel if nothing changes, then whatever. That's true, but I just don't know if nothing will change. Because yeah, they can say that, but that doesn't mean it's gonna happen. You know, actions speak louder than words, and companies say that all the time and then things end up changing, you know what I mean? And just the way IGN is with things sometimes, it's just to me they're too like I get it cuz they're a business and they have to make money but to me they're just too much of a quote unquote business like they're they're they don't really report on anything super controversial controversial you know everything that they say is very like 
it's neutral. It's all pretty neutral. And then like, you know, all the AAA games are usually pretty good over there. Like I know people don't like the reviews a lot, but I feel like there's more at hand than just the reviews. I feel like they're just too, too like into the industry now and too just like the face of the industry. Cause now they're trying to like expand to Disney or not trying to, they are, they're spending to Disney, you know, they're doing all this stuff like to build their brand outwards and they can't really afford to be controversial and stuff, which I get, but that's just not something that I like to be a, a part of. Like, I feel like it's not real then. I feel like, you know, it's not real reporting. You're just kind of getting the bare bones of a lot of things in that regard. And it's just, it's, their name just rubs me the wrong way nowadays. So seeing them purchase something like Humble Bundle that's always been good. You know, it's a great deal for gamers. You know, you're donating to charity. It's always just been a wonderful thing that people have loved. It just, I feel like they bought it with an intention to do something. You know what I mean? Like you don't, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but I just, it rubs me the wrong way. I've, I've read it's been going on for like a good few years that they're trying to buy Humble Bundle. So yeah. It says that in this thing. Yeah. It's like, don't do that for no reason. You don't, especially if they've been chasing him for that long. Yeah. It makes you think that probably the owner of Humble Bundle just got tired of just them trying to sure. nag them constantly. But, oh, fine. Here, take it. But, yeah. But, you know, I agree. It's like IGN, again, they were like the source of gaming news. Everyone went to them and everything. And now they've just kind of become that kind of business where they're just, they're just, put on this face behind real issues sort of thing. They kind of step away from anything controversial, like you said. And uh, yeah, now that it's kind of taken Humble Bundle, it's like you can hear the groan all over the world of people will just be like, oh, now this is just going to be kind of watered down content maybe provided. Maybe it's just going to even be like really bad games in the Humble Bundle deals and I don't know. It's 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 a weird one, uh, especially if they're going for it for like years and years. Yep, agreed, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, and you know, with regards to IGN saying that they're not going to change anything at all, they're just going to keep it the same. Now they can say that, and you know, for the most part, on the front end, you know, when you go to humblebundle.com, dot com, everything might remain the same. You know, it might be the same site that you're used to. Um, you know, the same um, process of buying a, a bundle of games and everything like that, you know, all of that might stay the same. It's the back end that I'm really worried about. And, you know, regards to the, the finances, because that's where all the changes could be made, you know, going forward. And it likely will be made because when you're talking about a company merging with a corporation, there's definitely going to be some some changes on a financial level, like, you know, the financial structure of the companies merging together. So that's where, you know, um, most of my concerns lie on, on that level, but on the front end, yeah, I'm sure they will keep it the same because they know that if they try and change it, people are just going to get upset about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, I think IGN coming out and saying they're just going to keep it the same is just, you know, their way of doing great PR, to be honest. (laughs) I agree with that. Yeah, that's definitely true. Oh man, three, three for three. So, so Dana. Yes. 
What, what are your thoughts on this, this acquisition? So you heard everybody's reaction. So you know who's going to end up suffering is Humble Bumble. Is anyone going to now go and buy, uh, make a purchase from Humble Bumble? Just because you, you, the way how you guys are reacting from, because of the IGN situation, I think that they're going to end up being, they're going to end up suffering even more. No one from what I'm hearing is going to now purchase what they have. So here you have, even if they never change anything, just say even in the front and the back end, just imagine nothing ever changes. Just because of everyone's kind of like meh and blah of IGN or basic turn off of IGN, no one is going to seem like they're going to purchase anything. So Humble bum Bundle seems to be the one that's going to suffer at the end even if nothing changes and they're still charitable and they have the same organizations that they give to, that to me is the saddest thing. So I think this was a terrible idea. And just solely based on the fact that you're going to a company that people don't really seem to like and it's changed from what it originally was, their quality has changed. And, you know, it just didn't seem like it was a good deal. It wasn't a good merger to begin with at all. They're stained. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, very interesting thoughts all across the board. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, I'm very curious to know what people think about this particular topic as well as what we had to say on the matter. So definitely leave the comments and let us know what you think. Um, <laughs> so any thoughts before we move on to the uh, next topic? Yeah, uh, just one more little concern I had as well. Um, so yes. we know that there's been a few cases in history where, you know, like, because IGN is a big website, you know, they, they have advertisements and everything like that. So, you know, imagine a scenario where, like, you know, um, IGN might be competing for, you know, banners from, um, you know, Ubisoft or whatever publisher it is, you know, and maybe, you know, Ubisoft doesn't like a review score or something that you know uh, one of their games got or something like that so they they decide not to put ads on IGN anymore and then you know that also affects humble bundle so now they they don't want to put their their you know any of their games on humble bundle anymore either you know so like there's little things like that that are going to affect you know um humble bundle as a whole so it's like any publisher who doesn't want to work with IGN might also not work with humble bundle so I think it was better off with Humble Bundle being indie because then they can have their own dealings with whatever company they wanted to. So um, I feel like a lot of these business uh, relationships are going to cross over in a big way. Very good points. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You guys are all right. All of you made excellent points. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I'll be very curious to see what the end result is of all of this. Uh, <laughs> so let's move on to the next topic. These, are, I guess, this is when the topics started to get a lot more controversial. So be prepared for several controversial topics coming up next. So let's talk about a series that uh, I know Gary is a huge fan of. I believe Ramis is also a fan of, and that is Dragon Age. Um, Gary, would you care to tell us what the hell is going on with the Dragon Age series in Bioware as of this this past week? Yeah, so um, 
the the director of um you know Dragon Age he he announced on Twitter this week that he is um stepping down from BioWare you know after like 14 years um now this is Mike Laidlaw and um he also worked on um Jade Empire and you know he he was heavily involved in the Dragon Age games as well and he did some work on Mass Effect and you know um some of the other BioWare games here and there as well he assisted with but um yeah he was one of the um big creatives behind uh Dragon Age along with the lead writer David Guider who also left BioWare last year so you know we know that there's a new Dragon Age game in development now and we know how Mass Effect Andromeda turned out so yeah it doesn't really give a lot of confidence for you know the next Dragon Age game and anything else BioWare does that's not Anthem basically um you know um but beyond that i just want to say that it's you know it's definitely upsetting to hear that he's leaving the company and you know bioware as a whole it's changed so much now since the ea acquisition and everything because they used to be a very talented company who had you know they made amazing games like you know kotor jade empire dragon age origins you know mass effect one two and however you feel about um, mass effect three as well you know um, they they made great games over the years, you know, and now it's just a completely different company. A lot of the the talented people who worked there have left. And, you know, this is just, you know, the latest in um, departures for Bioware. And it's definitely sad news. And I just hope that um, the next Dragon Age will be somewhat good, at least, you know. So, so... Let me just make a quick statement, and then I'm going to give the floor to whoever wants to go next. I, actually, yeah, Dana, you, you can go right after I say what I'm about to say. Um, so I, I, I'm going to just keep it real. I personally think that Mass Effect Andromeda, this has to be one of the most disappointing games this year. I'm not saying it is the number one on that list, but it's definitely on the list. Um and the reason why I say that is because, you know, we heard about when that game came out, before that game even came out, we heard about all the departures, the changes that were being made. So I, I get the same vibe when I heard this news about Dragon Age. Now, I will say right now, I am not a Dragon Age fan. I tried to play the games. When I played Dragon Age 2, that was it for me. Uh, within playing that demo that, that EA released a, a while back, several years ago, after playing that demo, it was like, you know, I was asking myself, why the hell do people like this game? And I know Gary has always told me in the past, well, the first game is, is fantastic. It's a classic. I still haven't played it. Now, maybe I'll go back and play it. But um, when I heard this news, and we also heard that Dragon Age 4 is actually in production right now. Uh, EA, obviously, they didn't reveal it yet. I think that's something they're going to wait to reveal next year at, the, at their uh, conference. But um, Definitely is concerning because I look at what happened with Andromeda, the fact they had all those departures, and then we got the game that we got. It doesn't make me have any confidence in this next game either. Uh, I know Anthem is what BioWare and EA are focusing on right now. For the most part, that is their big game next year, and as a result of that, I think you can guarantee that other projects will suffer, and this will probably be one of them um, if I had to make a guess. But... uh that's uh, that's just something I wanted to say on it. So Dana, uh, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know if you're a Dragon Age fan, um, but uh, <laughs> what do you think about this news? I have the original Dragon Age. 
um, that I played years ago. <laughs> and after that, I never went back. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, more power to him if he wants to leave. Um, I hope that the series gets better. And that it ends up being a creative change for the best. Because I would like to return to playing that game that I haven't, you know, played all those years later. To totally understood. I'm heartbroken. So, <laughs> so I'll so I'll ask this question next because uh, Inquisition is out. I believe well, well Max and, and Rams. I definitely want to get you guys' opinion because I believe that you you both did play uh, Inquisition. Well, I could be wrong. But no, I played it. Oh, you did play it. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Okay, so first, let, let me know what your thoughts are on this particular departure, and then you know we can talk about whether or not Inquisition was good, or is that also dis was that also disappointing? Um, I don't think Inquisition was disappointing. It wasn't my favorite game in the world. It started to drag on for me later on, and I felt myself kind of forcing myself to like get through it because it was at first I remember. Um, telling people about it. I was like, yo, this game's like a single player MMO. It's so cool. And it has all these features. And I, I do like the combat a lot, especially when I really started taking advantage of pausing it. Um, and everything like that. But um, yeah, it was, it was fine. I enjoyed it. I think it was definitely worth playing. I don't think it was like game of the year material. Like a lot of people, like I think IGN gave it game of the year. And I think a few other places gave it, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that, but I know it was considered for a lot of places. Um, I definitely didn't think it was that, but it was definitely, it was worth a play. And then Andromeda came out and to me, it felt like this was Inquisition when it was like halfway done. <laughs> Cause it was like the same type of gameplay with a bit of Mass Effect injected in like kind of the open world, even though it was put on planets, it was like a section of each planet that you could play on, but there just wasn't anything to do. And like, there wasn't a lot of gameplay features and the story wasn't that good. And just, we all know about Andromeda, but, um, so maybe it's possible because he's just sick of this stuff. Cause maybe this is EA's dabbling or maybe he just wasn't happy with the way things were going. It was just like the team that wanted to do this. I don't know. I don't know if this would be a good or bad thing. Maybe it was his fault. The games were like this, you know, but um, maybe they wanted him to leave. Maybe he was being pressured to leave because the games weren't doing well. I don't know. It could be a lot of different reasons, but at the end of the day, like Gary was saying, Bioware is very different now. And a majority of that is because of EA. So at the end of the day, I don't think, that this will affect things too much because we already know the direction Anthem is going in. In terms of Dragon Age 4, I have to imagine it's going to be a lot more like Inquisition or even kind of like Anthem, like because that's what EA does. So <laughs> I don't know if this will affect things too, too much, but we'll have to see because Dragon Age 4 is still a long ways away. Like We're probably not seeing that game for another couple of years. So... I don't know how much it would have had to affect on the game. And, you know, this is their fourth time going, so they have a general idea of what they want to do this time around, I'm pretty sure. I would have to imagine. So, I don't know. It's it's interesting, but I don't know if anything drastic is going to come from it. Yeah. Uh, to to be determined. <laughs> oh, okay, Rene. So, uh, what, what do you think about this uh, departure? 
Uh, well, firstly, I'm going to back up with Gary here and say, you know, Dragon Age 1 is amazing. Like, I like that game. Um, that was pretty much the start of my love for Dragon Age in the first place and the hours you put into that and everything. Um, regards to Inquisition, it was it was okay, um, but not as good as the first, better than the second, um, but you kind of saw the direction and a little bit of the carelessness that EA kind of had for that game. And, you know, you can already see the mindset was towards Anthem as it is. And then that pretty much did show with Andromeda. And when that came out, it was, like Max said, it was Inquisition, but unfinished. And expecting any sort of DLC to kind of continue the story of that game, just, nah. <laughs> they just, like I said, straight up, no, just one more multiplayer thing, and we're now focused on Anthem. And that's what EA does. It's kind of, seemingly, they just get these companies, they buy them, they sit in the background and be like, oh, we're not going to change anything, but can you include this? Can you change this? Can you write this instead? And everything just changes completely. So, you know, Bioware, the reputation they had, it's kind of slowly fading away from me, you know, and that's quite disappointing because the games they've made in the past, you know, Knights of the Old Republic, Jade Empire, uh, the first Mass Effect, the second Mass Effect, and Baldur's Gate as well, I believe. Did they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, they, they were just incredible writers there, incredible gameplay. And um, for Laid Law yeah, to leave, it's he's been there for years, um, one of the committed people, it seems. And uh, to him, he doesn't seem like he's, well, it's an intense day for him, but he doesn't seem too heartbroken by it. I guess it's on his own choice. Like the one tweet I've got here, him saying it's just big day, intense, going to stream some Overwatch tonight. That's it. So he just seemed pretty standard about it. And again, you be at a place for too long. And when you know your time to go, you go, really. So I'm sure he's just going to be fine because <laughs> he's a talented artist as it is. And there we go. Well, he, he's, he's, uh, he's a very, very smart, smart man for streaming Overwatch. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I see Gary, Gary is working overtime to make sure that Activision Blizzard watching this uh, broadcast is why he said that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, good, good thoughts all around. I, I, just the point that I, last point I was going to make before we move on is, yeah, just, I, I don't feel, uh, I, I saw what happened with we all saw what happened with Andromeda, and you kept hearing about people are leaving, this person is leaving, that person is leaving. I know Casey Hudson is back to try and control uh, everything going on over at Bioware, but, you know, EA is still involved. So as long as EA is involved, you always have to be cautious to some extent. Um, so I guess we'll see what, what, what this means for the future of Dragon Age. I am glad that, uh, you know, Mike decided to step away, take a break. You know, obviously he's done a lot of great things in his career. And if it was just to take a break to do something different, that's awesome for him. But uh, as anyone who is into that series, you definitely got to be a little concerned about what's happening with the series next. But we'll see what, what which direction they go in after this. 
So uh, any final thoughts before we move on to the next topic? I'm good. Okay, cool. We have a, a few topics to get into uh, remaining. Now, a lot of these other topics are going to be very controversial. I just want to give people a heads up, you know, well in advance. Uh, this one topic in particular is a story that is still developing, uh, and it has to do with Naughty Dog. Um, Gary, I don't know if you want to speak on, you know, I don't know who, who here on the panel wants to speak on how this situation came about with the initial Twitter conversation and then the statement, but whoever wants to speak on it, feel free to do so right now. Yeah, now I, I don't have all the facts, but, um, you know, the, the guy's, guy's name was um, David Ballard. And, you know, um, he sent a few tweets out, but basically, you know, in the midst of this um, Hollywood scandal that's happening, you know, with the, the sexual harassment, um, I guess, you know, he felt like he was confident enough to come out about what happened to him while he was working at Naughty Dog. And, you know, he basically said um, the, th- the first tweet he sent was in late 2015 i was sexually harassed at naughty dog by a lead my work environment became extremely toxic afterwards so that was the first tweet and then you know he also went on to um mention that he he informed naughty dog and sony hr about you know this sexual abuse that he suffered and they basically kind of shrugged it off ignored him and then the next day he was fired. And um, he then goes on to say that, you know, they actually offered him $20,000 to, you know, basically keep quiet and, you know, not say anything about his departure. Um, and, you know, it's not clear whether he took that deal or not, but I assume he didn't, you know, if he's now talking about it. Um, so, yeah, that opened up a, a, a can of worms, you know, um, when he settled that on Twitter. And since then, you know, Naughty Dog has actually come out and uh, released a statement. It's a pretty lengthy statement, but the general gist of it is that, you know, they don't condone um, sexual harassment. Um, They did mention uh, Mr. Ballard by name. They said that um, we've not found any evidence of having um, received allegations from Mr. Ballard that he was harassed in any way at Naughty Dog or Sony Interactive Entertainment. Um, and they they go on to say harassment and inappropriate conduct have no place at Naughty Dog and Sony Interactive Entertainment. And yeah, it just kind of, you know, reads on like that with them basically saying that they don't condone that behavior and they have no evidence that this happened kind of thing. So yeah, uh, this is a very controversial topic going around at the moment within the industry. Yeah. That 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 pretty much is the gist of it. I think that you've gotten you pretty much said all the details that um everything that that we've learned about within the last uh twenty four to forty eight hours because again this is the story that is developing as we speak. Naughty Dog released that statement about two hours ago, uh, as of the recording of this show. So uh, it's something that is still going on. I'm pretty sure that there will be another response that uh, that uh, David does have for them. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't know if you guys had any initial thoughts on this particular situation. Uh, and, you know, I believe that this time we're going to go to Dana to get her thoughts on this matter first, because uh, I'm very curious what you what you think about this, Dana. 
Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a very unfortunate situation all around. And um, it's wonderful that if this is true, he found the strength to let everyone know and to tell everyone what happened. Um, my thing is that it's very vague statement by both parties. And, you know, I think for those who may want to know more, maybe it, that information should be provided because it's a very general thing to say, I was sexually harassed and I'm not denying or anything that's happening. But I think that if you really want to come out of the shadows and really, you know, place blame or educate someone on what happened, then um, maybe more information should be released. Now, this has just happened a couple hours ago, so maybe more will come out. And maybe this will encourage other people who has faced any type of harassment in the video game industry to speak upon their, you know, their situations as well. I think right now it's just very unfortunate and it's one of those situations where you're going to have to just wait and see what happens and whether or not this will lead into any more investigations. But for Naughty Dog's part, you know, they released a very generic statement and we just have to see, you know, if the guy responds back. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think, I think, I think he will respond. Um, but uh, yeah, as as you said, it's a wait and see approach, really. But I, I, I do agree that it is unfortunate all this stuff is happening. I mean, well, I, I could say this. I, I fully believe, in regards to this stuff, in even the, in the Hollywood scandal, I believe a lot of this stuff has been going on for quite a while. So when I heard that all this other stuff was going on in the Hollywood stuff, the Hollywood space, I wasn't surprised because, I mean, I, you, you've heard stories before about yeah. all types of crazy things happening. So um, it is unfortunate that this has happened, but, you know, hopefully um, the story will continue on, obviously, but hopefully they get to the bottom of this and the, those that are afraid to speak up, they do, like you say, get some courage to actually speak out if they have ever dealt with anything like this. Um, but we'll see. Um, Max, uh, what are your thoughts on this particular topic? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I have too much to say right now that hasn't already been said. Um, I agree, especially that the Naughty Dog statement, more than anything, was pretty vague and it was weirdly worded to me. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up right now. It's loading. There was a sentence that says, we have not found any evidence of having received allegations from Mr. Ballard. Like, he said this is his first time coming out out of this, or coming out and talking about this, so no, there isn't going to be any allegations from them in particular. Even though I know he said he went to PR, right? Or HR, you guys said that. He went to HR to talk about this, right? And there's still some drama. I interpreted as him that? saying that in public. Maybe, he, you know, he went to HR, but to release a public statement. That's how I... You think so? Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, they don't really... 
they say they don't have proof of that or anything like that, but I just, I don't know. This, this is a very shady situation and it's a very weird situation. And I think I'm not saying it didn't happen. Cause I do think something happened here. I don't think he would have just said something like this, but the way that naughty dog responded is just very blunt and very like makes me think they just don't want to get involved because they think something will come out of it. But I don't know. We like Rich was saying, we'll have to wait for to see if there's a response from Dave Ballard before anything, because there's all of its speculation right now. You know, there's not much we can comment on right now, which I don't know. It's it sucks that there's all these revelations about sexual harassment in the entertainment industry. Like, I think we all kind of knew it was there. But it's there's just been a lot of stories about it recently. You know, there's been a lot of stories about a lot of bad shit within the past, like all of 2017, to be honest with you. And this is just more piling onto it, which it really sucks that this is just all coming out right now. And hopefully that this will maybe see a change, maybe see a push in trying to get these things worked out and people coming out more about this sort of stuff happening and stuff being done about it. You know, we have to hope that that's what will come out of this sort of stuff. But there's only it's only speculation right now. I feel like I I just don't have much to say on this right now. But and, until we have more facts. Oh, yeah. No, I, I fully understand that. And, and I agree with that. It's, it's real hard to comment on it because it's still developing. Um, but. Yeah, you. I, I agree with what you said. 2017 has not been a good year. There's a lot of stuff that's uh, been going down. So. Um, I don't know what the future holds uh, for this particular situation, but we will find out more, I'm assuming, as time goes on. Uh, Gary, you have any thoughts on this topic? Yeah, um, you know, this has the potential to be, um, you know, a, a disaster for, you know, Naughty Dog and possibly even Sony, you know, if this escalates any further. Um, so, Naughty Dog did what I kind of expected them to do and gave, you know, like a, a very vague response, like Max said, you know, because they want to get as far away from this as possible, you know, for, for the moment. And, you know, um, I think that's going to be their move to just try and separate themselves from this and hope that it blows over. But um, they have to kind of hope that this guy doesn't have any evidence or you know, that he doesn't continue on this campaign because this could be very serious, you know, for them. Um, we've seen how the Hollywood scandal played out and, you know, um, it's very, you know, it's, it's very upsetting that, you know, people go through this sort of thing. It's, you know, it's very serious. Like people should, shouldn't have to suffer this when they're just going to work, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very sensitive issue and, uh, there's not really much we can really say about it. We just have to kind of watch it play out at this moment. But yeah, I think from Naughty Dog and Sony's perspective, they're probably just hoping that, you know, this guy isn't going to um, come out with evidence or, you know, come out with some some campaign against them. Um, but yeah, we just got to wait and see what happens from there. Absolutely. Um Hey, Ramis, you have any thoughts? Uh, it's pretty much the same as everyone's been saying. It's a very touchy subject um, because it's it's very common right now. It's just 
it's hard to explain. <laughs> it's um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sony statement was quite odd, in my opinion. I think you know, just to say, ah, oh, there's no evidence, but if the guy's claiming, you know, HR tried to pay him off to not speak about it, uh, of course, that's not going to be good <laughs> on Sony's part. Um, but yeah, because it's ongoing, it's quite hard still to kind of see or discuss about it even further, but it's just harsh that people have to go through this, really, and hide it for that long as well, and it affects their jobs, it affects their life. Um, you know, you can read some comments and then some will say, like, you know, what exactly is sexual harassment nowadays? What defines it? But at the end of the day, if it still affects the person so much that they're traumatized and, you know, affects their work, and especially if your employer doesn't really handle it well by ending the call and firing you literally the next day, um, there seems to be a problem in the business in general like that. So, I mean, hopefully it all works out in the end for David Ballard. He gets a little bit of justice or just, you know, some retribution from this. Um, but yeah, at the moment, because it's an ongoing story, I guess we can't really say much here until maybe there is evidence that he will release or mention or keep showing like enough strong support for himself. Uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, hey, great thoughts all around. Like I said, you know, we, we can't talk about it in full yet because it is still ongoing, but uh, hopefully this issue does get resolved. And uh, if there is anybody out there that is going through this stuff, they definitely, I would definitely encourage you, if you are watching this, I would definitely encourage you to speak out. Don't, don't keep this stuff bottled in because it will not be good for you. Um, regardless of worrying about the consequences, it's more important to just let it out there and just get it out so you don't have to feel any pressure. Um, but again, we hope it gets resolved and we, it's unfortunate to hear, but hopefully uh, things will get fixed, figured out sooner or later. Yeah, I do also want to say as well, because like sometimes when things like this happen, like, you know, the, the fans and the people um, on the outside looking in, they kind of escalate the situation as well. Yeah, now, th this could be a case where, you know, this guy who's come out and said these things, he might be happy now that he said that, you know, he he might see the Naughty Dog statement and just think, OK, well, whatever. And he might just want to leave it there and, you know, not take it any further because, you know, he might think speaking out was enough. So, yeah, I mean, this could just go away at that point. You know, it's just, it all depends on where he wants to take it. And I, I think the fans need to, you know, respect that and not try and get involved and stuff, you know. I agree. I agree. Yeah, definitely. very good point. Definitely agree with that, yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I agree. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, let's move on to... Uh, Another topic, definitely not as heavy as this one, but it's still somewhat controversial. Um, so I believe that, uh, Max, you know a little bit more about this, as well as Gary, because uh, I believe that you've been speaking about this ever since it, well, the statement was made. But Phil Spencer recently had an interview 
and stated in that interview, interview with uh, GameSpot, by the way, that he doesn't like exclusive DLC deals, even though Xbox currently has a deal in place for PUBG. So, Max, um, is there any other things about this statement that uh, you think needs to be mentioned along with what Phil Spencer actually said? Or, yeah, please do feel free to enlighten all of us. Well, it's important to say that he's talking about DLC specifically. Okay. Not necessarily games. um, Because the article brings up Cuphead and PUBG um, and talking about timed exclusives for full games, even though I know Cuphead isn't even isn't supposed to be timed. According to this article, Cuphead will forever only be on Xbox and PC, whereas PUBG is very likely to be coming to other consoles. Um, I guess part of the irony, or part of the reason there's irony brought up here is when in the 360 era, era when there was like the Call of Duty deal, there was DLC deals all the time. Keep in mind, Phil Spencer was not around for that, or he wasn't the head for that kind of stuff, whereas he's been the head for the past couple of years. And from what I know, there hasn't really been any Xbox exclusive content, but at the same time, this is probably just him being like, yeah, I don't like this because we're not getting it, because everyone's doing it with PlayStation, because PlayStation is doing much better than our console right now. So it's kind of... He's kind of just being PRE and just going kind of neutral with this sort of statement. Like, yeah, he says he doesn't like it, but is he does he really not like it because he's not getting it, or does he think it's bad for the gamers? Like, is that really why? Because I don't know. I've seen the argument so many different sides. People think some people think exclusives are horrible, some people think they're good. I personally think exclusives, like actual exclusives, are good because I think they drive competition and I think that they give a reason to buy the box because the Xbox and the PS4 are not that different. It's games that are different. You know, they both play games and yes, one is more powerful, but in terms of just like having a box to play a system on, they're not that different, you know, and that's one of the biggest differentiators. That's why you want it aside from the ecosystem, you know, the UI, there are some differences that people prefer, but the biggest thing is the games and Mark said Rise of the Tomb Raider was under his reign. True, but that's not DLC. But I agree that was under his reign as well. And that was that was handled awfully. <laughs> and that could also be partly why he's like against uh exclusive or he's saying he's against that sort of exclusive content because it just doesn't work out for them. But um I don't know. It just he's always I feel like he's always just kind of like, why do you guys ask me these types of questions on the inside? Because whenever I watch an interview with uh, Phil, yes, it was timed, Mark. Um, <clears throat> whenever I watch an interview with Phil, I I just get this feeling that under the smile and everything, he's always just kind of like, what the hell? Why are these people doing this to me? Or like, everyone's always trying to get a rise out of me, but I think he also kind of enjoys it at the same time. And to me, it's just really funny because he brings this stuff upon himself and then he just answers it very nonchalantly and kind of just like generic. And it just kind of gets annoying after a while. So I think people keep going after him. And this is another one of those things where he says it, like the headline is kind of clickbaity. But at the same time, it's just him being weird about it. And I just think that I don't think he really should have said anything, to be completely honest, about this sort of thing, because he just looks bad 
at the end of the day. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said, and I, I think that Phil needs to he needs to get better at this stuff with dealing with the press. If you see that they're going to ask a, a controversial question, try to. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how, uh, how how any other way that he can really address the situation other than to just not say anything that will draw attention. That doesn't make sense. But uh, I don't know. Tough situation for him to be in. But uh, I would say maybe less interviews, more talking about the Xbox One X and all of the games that are coming to the platform. That's probably what he should focus all of his uh, energy and effort on right now. Um, but uh, Dana, any thoughts on this particular uh, topic? I originally thought that it was a joke. And then, it, like, I was like, why would you even say that? Clearly, he's, like, joking, and he's being, you know, silly, and people are just taking it as really serious. But then it, I don't understand why he's talking, especially when no one's really jumping up and buying the Xbox One X or S or whatever, P, Q. So, um... He needs to just stop because he sounds a little cuckoo. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, Ramis, any thoughts on this topic? Um, I get the feeling like every time he prepares himself for interviews, he's, he's always like ready to talk about the Xbox. But then people just ask him all these random bizarre questions. And then he just slowly kind of sighs to himself. And then his brain sighs. And he just has to answer, and unfortunately, your answer's a bit weird. So, I don't know. Um, to me, I, it's not really a problem, I guess, if exclusive deals, in my opinion. But, yeah, I don't know. I think for him, it's just he just does not like answering these questions, or he's just not used to it, whereas he just wants to talk about the business and the sales and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Good points. Gary, any thoughts on this topic? Uh, yeah. First of all, um, I want that Xbox Q that Dana was talking about. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, as far as Phil Spencer goes, like, I think he like he seriously needs to leave Microsoft and start his own PR firm because like, you know, he's he's like a master at giving like, you know, great um, humble responses to these questions. And I do agree with you that, you know, the media and the people asking these questions are to blame for a lot of these articles that come out regarding him because, you know, they do put him in the hot seat and asking these, he, they ask him these, these uh, questions that, you know, kind of bait these kind of titles and stuff like that. Um, but I think he handles himself well, you know, in these, situations and you know the, the responses he gives because he just comes across as super humble and for the gamers pretty much but also we can't ignore the fact that you know last generation um microsoft did exclusive content left and right you know um it was happening quite a lot and he was still with the company at that point you know granted he wasn't in a high position you know as high a position as he is now kind of thing but you know uh, Microsoft are no stranger to exclusive DLC content. So it does seem a bit weird, you know, him saying that. But at the same time, you you can understand where he's coming from because right now Sony's getting a lot of the, you know, more 
noteworthy exclusive DLC content. So, you know, I guess that's just where he's coming from at the moment. But if the shoe was on the other other foot, I'm sure he'd be doing the same thing. So, yeah. That's the issue. Yeah, very good points. Pretty much. Um, I just think (laughs) think Phil needs to uh, take a break from the interviews. I mean, right now, Microsoft, the only thing they should be talking about is the Xbox One X. Um and everything that is coming to the system. Don't don't get root go don't, don't get caught up in these conversations about the exclusive stuff, this, that, or other. Let's talk about the system. I mean, the system will be out in about two or three weeks now. So they really do need to focus on that instead of all the other stuff, in my opinion. Um, but any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to our main topic for today? I think someone needs to inform him that he doesn't have to answer every single question. You can still be humble and not answer stupid questions. Yeah. And then give an explanation as to why I'm not going to answer your question. (laughs) Hey, listen, I would love to see Phil put somebody in their place, one of these other little uh, media interviewers that asked a ridiculous question. I would love to see him do that. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. But I agree. I agree. So uh, let's move on to the main topic for today. And, and this is going to be a very interesting conversation because I don't really know what some of you guys' stance is on this topic, but I think it absolutely has to be something that we talk about. You know, I was initially going to make this the main topic for last week's show, but we didn't, we didn't do a show last week. So since then, this has continued to be a hot topic. Throughout the all of la- all of this week, you know, and also shout out to the Throwdown crew because we also spoke about this on the Throwdown on Thursday night. But obviously, we're going to talk about the question of loot boxes and are they ruining ruining the whole video game experience? Um, I did say microtransactions because it, there's a lot of other things, but, but aside from the loot boxes, that can also affect the overall gameplay experience. But I definitely wanted to get. Uh, you guys' opinions on this matter now that we know uh, pretty much every major game coming out this year has loot boxes in it. I haven't heard anything about Wolfenstein, and that may be one of the exceptions along with Mario. Uh, that Those may be the only two games that don't have any loot boxes in them. Uh, well, wait, no. Gran Turismo also doesn't have microtransactions, so that's, that's another one. But what are you guys' thoughts on it? And before I go to you, Gary, because I know you have a lot to say, because you know Overwatch supporter, you'll be very—you'll have a lot to say about this topic. But before I go to you, I'm actually going to go to Dana because I'm most curious what she has to say about this particular topic. It's—it's it's legalized cheating. Uh oh. Oh, I'm against it. I think it gives an unfair advantage. I don't like it. Maybe for like cute little mobile games, like your little candy crushes and whatever it is, that's fine. But when you have these games like, you know, Overwatch and all the, maybe possibly Wolfenstein, I don't know yet. Did they, they didn't announce. What did they say? No, they haven't said. I feel like if that game were to have it, we'd know by now A and B. What the hell could they put in loot boxes in that game? Let's be honest. Better, that game better not have loot boxes. <laughs> they come up with something. Easy to come up with anything. Yeah. My thing is, I think it's unfair, and I don't really like it. Not everyone has the money. People are able to invest large amounts of money into buying whatever loot boxes that that's offered. 
And some people just don't have that resource. And I don't like it, especially when it comes to gameplay. You, everything should be fair and equal. And that's it. So I'm completely against it. Sorry. <laughs> hey, no need to apologize. Yeah, very, very good thoughts. Okay, Gary. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to you now because I know that you have spoken very highly of Overwatch. You know, not just on every co-op podcast, but especially on this episode because you've mentioned it about at least four or five times. Yes, I've been keeping track of that. So, what do you think about this whole loot box phenomenon? Yeah. So I have two things to say. So you know, I'll, I'll go to the Overwatch thing first, just because you know, um, everyone wants to hear me talk about it some more. So um, yeah. Um, with Overwatch, I feel like you know when that game came out, they were um, they would do they they handled it completely the right way because the way it works with Overwatch is you know the the loot boxes that you get you you get them for free anyway just by playing the game. So every time you level up, you get a loot box, and uh, there's also arcade um, games that you can play to get extra loot boxes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. I think they handle it correctly because the stuff that you get in the loot boxes are just cosmetic, you know, stuff. Like you get voice lines for the characters, you get skins, you get sprays, you know, and stuff like that for the characters. So, you know, there's people who don't care about what skin their character's wearing or what voice line they have or, you know, what uh, pose they do, you know, the emotes and stuff like that. Like there's people who legit don't care and they just want to play the game. So, there's no reason for them to ever buy a loot box, you know, because they already have the game, they're playing the game, and they're going to unlock stuff anyway, just as they play. So that's fine. Um, I think, you know, now people are, you know, kind of abusing it more. And I will say that, you know, even Blizzard now has kind of, they've kind of changed the way the loot box works in Overwatch, because um, usually, you know, after a while, if you continue to play Overwatch a lot, like I do, you're going to have most of the items that you can unlock, right? So whenever you get a duplicate, you actually earn in-game in credit that you can then use to, to buy, you know, any of the skins that you want to buy. So you can choose what you want to buy without spending any money. You're just spending the in-game credit that you get from duplicates, right? But now they've kind of tweaked the system to where you you don't get duplicates at all. So like when there's an event, like the Halloween event that came out and there's a bunch of new skins that you want to get, you're not getting any duplicates no more. So, cause they've tweaked it so that you don't get duplicates. So you can't even save up your money now to buy the skins that you want to buy from the event, which kind of forces people to want to buy loot boxes with their actual money. Because if they really want that Zarya skin or that Symmetra skin or whatever, they need more loot boxes for that you know, to, to hire their chances of actually getting the skin. So, yeah, um, they've kind of tweaked it now to where more people are going to buy the loot boxes, and I don't like that practice. Um, and also, you know, it's kind of trickled into other games now where other games are now including the loot box system. And where I think it starts to get real serious is when the loot boxes affect in-game items that are directly tied to the story and the core gameplay of the game. So, you know, in Overwatch, you know, none of the loot boxes have stuff that affect the core gameplay. But in some of these games we're seeing now, you, it affects stuff that, you know, is in the core gameplay of the game. So 
you're kind of more enticed to want to buy these loot boxes. So that's where I draw the line and say that, yeah, it's it's a bad practice. Um, and, you know, it's sad to see that a lot of these games um, are now including this system. And what I want to say as well is that a lot of people draw comparisons to, you know, mobile games and stuff where, you know, mobile games have microtransactions. There's a big difference, though, because in mobile games, you, you a lot of the time you don't actually buy the game. It's free to play and then you buy microtransactions, right? But in these games on the consoles, you pay $60 or, you know, £40, whatever the price is. And then you have to buy uh, microtransactions in the game also. So it's a big difference. And you can see how they're kind of, um, you know, um, basically designing these games to suck your money. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. I I just have a quick question I have to ask for for you, Gary. So if uh, let's go back to Destiny One. If Destiny One had a loot box that unlocked a actual story, would you have been uh, mm-hmm. uh, would you have purchased that that or would you have been offended that they actually did that or or, or what? Uh, I mean, you know, no, I I wouldn't have because you know I, I was completely fine with um, Destiny One. To be honest with you, like I wasn't going into it expecting a phenomenal story anyway i hear that the second game has a great story and that's that's good um but the first game you know i wasn't really like playing it for the story i was just you know more about the the grinding and the gameplay anyway but uh, that's funny though a loot box for the story that's funny (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah well hey we'll we'll see uh so ramis uh what do you think about this practice because um, I, I know that you're going to be getting a couple of the big titles this uh, fall. So what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I, I don't know what games I'm buying this fall. But um, uh, I think reading the chat, Black Star said it right. Like, it's legal gambling, which isn't good because it can lead to an addiction sort of thing. Um, but, you know, it's it's to me, it's one of those things. If you've earned the points in the game, um, then obviously you're right to spend those points, those credits, in-game credits anyways. But if you've given the people the opportunity to just constantly buy, 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 and at such interesting prices, um, it can make the game unbalanced, especially a multiplayer game. Um, Halo 5 did that, and it actually put me off Halo 5 because in an instant, like playing multiplayer, loads of people just had all the top gear. They had everything because they just kept buying. And, you know, the, the type of people that play Halo as well is just, I don't know, obnoxious 14-year-olds sometimes. And that just makes it worse because they've just got all, all the things in the world and they can rub it in your face and it frustrates uh, so you just have no choice but to put the pad down and move on. Um, if it's handled the right way, then, yeah, it's 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 totally fine with me. But, you know, it gets a bit more out of control when you just charge people deliberately as well sometimes. And, yeah, it just makes the game very unbalanced, in my opinion, and just needs to be fair, in a sense. You need to earn the points. That's That's just my opinion though but it's an optional thing 
I can't really say much because I don't necessarily have that much experience on it other than something like Halo 5, which frustrated me. But then there was Forza 6, which was quite good with that system. You know, you earn the points when you're racing and driving and then you spend those points on getting better cars, on better tune-ups and stuff. So it's it's an up-and-down thing for me. Understood. Okay, Mr. Max Muller, what are your thoughts on this topic? I know Halo 5 was mentioned. So did you purchase a lot of uh, stuff for Halo 5? Um, I have before, but my thing with Halo 5 was that I think they handled it right for the most part because, or better than most uh, publishers and games, because in Halo 5 you had your arena mode which was like core Halo. It's the Halo we all wanted back. You know, it's the arena skill-based, you all start with the same stuff kind of Halo. And the only thing that the loot boxes could affect in that are aesthetics and then like EXP boosts. But when it turned into Warzone, which was its new, like, whatever, I think it was 24-player mode, its new big 12-on-12 mode, that's when it could get a little bit frustrating because you would open or you would get different what are called rec packs and rec cards f- to use in uh, Warzone because weapons and vehicles did not spawn in the map. The map is entirely empty and you had to use rec cards that you got from these packs to spawn in weapons and vehicles. And they were a one-time <laughs> mark. Sorry, Mark just is like, why did you buy loot boxes, Max? You were the chosen one in chat. I bought them to support um, the Halo tournaments, actually, which was something else I was going to get into. But um, anyway, so Warzone, you would use these things. They were one-time uses, which was kind of annoying. Don't get me wrong, because you would spawn in with like a really cool wraith or something. You get out and you get lasered instantly, which is frustrating as all hell. It's not nearly as fun as fighting to be the first one to get to the wraith on the map and then using it for there. You know what I mean? But um, the people that would play more would obviously have more stuff in their rec collection and be able to use more weapons and everything like that, which is annoying, and those people do get an advantage, which kind of sucks. And I get where they were coming from. They say because of this, they allowed all the DLC to be free, and the money went towards... Uh, the different Halo championships and stuff like that, which is cool. So it allowed those to happen. So we did get stuff out of this, and I kind of get where they're coming from. But at the end of the day, it's just... These things happened before. You still had your Halo tournaments beforehand. You still could have released free DLC, but at the same time, I'd rather pay for DLC than loot boxes because for like good maps and stuff, because if I'm getting this content that I could keep forever then I'm okay with paying for it. Do you know what I mean? Like Halo 3 days, every like, yes, the map packs divided players to a degree, but a lot of people bought them. That's the point. People play your game, they buy the map packs because they want to keep playing it. Um, And it's just, I feel like this focus on loot boxes now has changed the way people are perceiving things because it's like, yeah, we're getting free DLC. And then there's the argument like, yeah, the people who don't have enough time, they can spend money on loot boxes. But at the same time, why would you want to speed up your gameplay? Like in multiplayer, I could kind of see that. I don't like it, but there's some argument there. But like people have made this argument with Shadow of War. 
And like WB's even said, they're there for people who don't have enough time to play it. Why would you pick up a game like Shadow of War and want it to go by quicker? Would you not want it to play as long as you can? Because if you already don't have enough time to play through games, why would you want to speed up your time playing Shadow of War? I just don't really get that. That doesn't make sense to me. Like if I buy Shadow of War, I want it to last as long as possible, assuming that it's fun and I enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? And Gary's right when it when it comes to Overwatch doing these loot boxes quote unquote best. But I still feel like even saying that, you're still accepting loot boxes to a degree and then allowing publishers to keep trying and experimenting with them and pushing them further and further into taking away game mechanics and throwing them in there. Like the Forza 7 stuff, the Forza 7 stuff is bullshit in my opinion. They they took um, the difficulty changes that have been there since the first game in 2005 you would make the game harder you would turn off things like anti-break system or like the guiding line you would turn them off so that you would gain more credits per race right well that's still technically in forza 7 but you don't get credits for it anymore unless you unlock a mod in a loot box and equip that specific mod for that specific race and it's just kind of like what like, where is that coming? Why? Who thought that was a good idea? That was a franchise-long thing. This has been going for over 10 years. Why did you decide to throw those into loot boxes? See, that's the type of thing that starts getting... That's when we know things are going a little bit too far, in my opinion. But... Uh, Dr. 34 in the chat says, Does it really matter if someone wants to speed up their play or not? It doesn't matter to me, no. That's fine if someone wants to speed it up. I don't get it. But the point is, they're giving players that option, which is okay initially, but then when does it become detrimental to the actual development of the game? Because those loot boxes in Shadow of War, from what I know, they don't. the game is balanced around the loot boxes. So the people that don't buy the loot boxes, they're going to have a much tougher time. That's kind of the issue. Uh, in regards to that it's like yes these a lot of the loot boxes are doing harmless things for the most part or things that you can avoid but it's what's coming later on it's the acceptance of the loot boxes and having developers just continually experimenting with them and pushing them as far as they could go because they're always going to do that well more publishers than developers but if it's working then they're going to keep pushing it and it's interesting too because from what i've read loot boxes are successful not because a bunch of people buy them but because a small amount of people continually spend money on them so it's also catering to that smaller audience in a way which is interesting and leaving all of the people that don't want to buy loot boxes kind of out it's a really it's a really really divisive kind of thing and it's hard it's really really hard to argue it objectively i think because it's a very subjective subject but at the end of the day i just think that they're leading to bad stuff in games like i get free to play games because they're free and they need to make money somehow and that's fine but when i'm paying 60 dollars for a game and then have to start throwing extra money at it for other things that's when it gets to be a big issue and that's just where we're leading i agree and it sucks <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I, I'll just make a quick comment before Gary, because I think Gary's about to chime in. Um, yeah, 
when you when in, in, in the case of Forza Seven, as you've already said, you've exposed exactly what the issue is with Forza Seven, and and the fact that they have an ultimate edition, which costs a hundred dollars, by the way, and you still have this this thing right there in the game. Also, is is just absolutely ridiculous. It's a lot of money they want you to spend, even though you already have quote unquote the ultimate edition of the game. It's it's funny when you think about it, but. That's all I was going to say, uh, Gary. You about to say something, so go go ahead. Yeah. Um. Imagine playing Final Fantasy VII, and you know being able to buy a loot box that gives you the ultimate weapons. You know, towards the start of the game, like that would ruin you know a lot of the experience of grinding and getting those weapons because anyone who plays those games knows that you know it's all about the journey. And, you know, it's all about the grind that you go through to to reach the heights of the game, you know, um, and you don't get that sense of reward if you can just pay for, you know, all the, the, the best weapons in the game or, you know, the most powerful weapons or what have you. So um, I think it takes, you know, people might say that it's um, it's good for people who don't have time or whatever. But, you know, if if you don't have time, why play the game in the first place? Because... You know, you you should, you should exactly, yeah, exactly. Right, you should want to play these games and get the full experience of it. Like, like, why are you gonna buy a game and say you're a level one character, but with the ultimate weapons instantly? Like, what what fun is that? Like, you're gonna be the most annoying character in the game, if anything. But no, I totally agree. It's like the grind of the game is important i feel it makes you enjoy it makes you work hard for the game and it makes you feel like you achieve something you immediately go buying stuff it's just um it's just pointless like don't buy the game in the first place if you're not gonna be willing to experience it in my opinion it's a divisive thing in my opinion that one side you can say what's being said there and then the other side it's like if you can afford it uh why not go for it you know you can look at it in two sides it's a bit of a weird thing but to me it it is mostly just like there's no point buying the game playing the game in the first place if you're just gonna just instantly buy for the best without earning it and it just makes it unbalanced and unjoyable yeah absolutely great thoughts all around um I don't even think I, I I mean I can't say anything better than you guys have have already said. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, I guess it's, it is it is up to the players that how they want to spend their money, obviously. But uh, as I said with Forza Seven, when they have an ultimate edition and and there's still uh, the stuff like this in the game, also that that is very discouraging. But uh, hopefully, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with the practice. Hopefully, people will you know, stop trying to find ways to take advantage of it. Uh, but, yeah, it's all about the execution. If they are able to execute it and make it work, such as in Gary's case, he said it works for Overwatch. So that's great. Does that mean that I'm going to play Overwatch? Hell no, I'm not going to be playing Overwatch. But, hey, for those that are Overwatch fans, if that works for you, I'm, I'm happy for you. Um, but You're we'll missing see. out. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have one more follow-up thing to say um okay i believe it I, I can't remember who said it now i think it was either max or uh dreadhead who said it in in the comments but um someone made mention to uncharted 
you know, having uh, microtransactions and that you could buy the best games. The, I mean, sorry, the best guns in the yeah. game um, in the multiplayer. And, you know, I, I would not want to play a multiplayer game like that because it would be incredibly frustrating to go up against people who just bought, you know, the best weapons in the game instead of, you know, having to unlock them and stuff like that. Um, and this goes back to where, you know, I love games like Overwatch and Rocket League because those games stay completely balanced the whole time because, you know, the, the microtransactions don't affect the weapons or the gameplay in any way. But those multiplayer games where you can just buy the best guns and stuff like that, like, I think that's that's a horrible practice right there. And I wouldn't even want to play those games because it sounds incredibly unbalanced because, you know, at least if you have to grind to get the guns, you're going to be running into less people who have those guns anyway, you know, so it would stay balanced. And, you know, when you do come across someone with that gun, you know that they've earned it. So like, you know, you might get killed by it and you're like, okay, yeah, he earned that. He earned that kill. It's all good. But, you know, if, if, if people are just able to buy the gun straight away, like you're just going to keep running into people who have that one annoying weapon. And yeah, I don't want to play games like that at all. <laughs> hey, I understand that. That's a very good point. Yeah, that, that, that definitely will impact the gameplay. Uh, so, yeah. So, any final thoughts on this talk before we uh, wrap up the show? I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, you guys did an excellent job. So, uh <laughs> That concludes uh, our show for this week. Uh, I know that uh, we went a little, a little bit longer than normal, but this was to make up for the fact that we didn't have a show last week. Uh, we thank you all for your continued support. Um, I don't know if you guys have any shout-outs that you would like to give. So, Dana, uh, how about you go first? Shout-out to all the listeners and, and everyone who's in the chat and who comes back week after week to hear us. So shout out to them. Absolutely. Uh, how about you, Max? Any shout outs that you would like to give? Oh, yeah. As always, thanks everyone in the chat for participating. You guys always bring in some great conversational topics, especially today. Today was a long one. So thanks again for joining. Mark says, I just want to go play Evil Within 2. <laughs> That'll be later. That game's amazing. But, um, Thanks again, guys, for always being in the chat. You know, it's always great to talk with you guys every week. It's one of the driving forces behind coming back every week because it's just a great time. We all get to talk about video games. That's a fun, it's fun, you know? Um, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you all soon. Awesome. Uh, Ramis, how about you? Any final shout-outs? Uh, um, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's It's actually my first co-op episode just thinking oh, about it now. yeah despite the fact that i've been part of the so-called coalition family <laughs> um yeah it's the first episode so yeah it's been good it's been decent thanks for having me on um i'm gonna do a shameless plug for myself i'm doing the whole inktober thing which is like drawing a day whatever uh you can follow me on instagram for that uh designed by rams that's my account so you know i could do with the whole follows for that account anyways so 
yeah, other than that, you know, been good. I joined the chat late, but it's it was fun <laughs> just reading the opinions and everything and getting a part of the be part of that community right there. And um yeah, hopefully next time there'll be another opportunity to do this. Thanks. Absolutely. Um oh yeah, Gary, we we, we will we will mention that. Uh I, I definitely want to give a shout out to all of the people that was in the chat today as well as the Patreon supporters. Uh, definitely also want to give a shout out to Ramiz for being on the show. Yeah, you're always welcome to be on the show anytime that we can uh, line up our schedules accordingly. No. Um, yes, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Gary Scheiman. I was able to do an interview with him this past week for his work on Shadow of War. Um, it's very, a very great informative interview. Uh, if you are somebody who was trying to do music in the industry, you know you may want to check that out because he may have said some something that you may you may actually uh, appeal to you. So definitely check that out. And um, Gary, uh, the floor is yours now for the shout outs as well as uh, we can talk about who won the uh, giveaway for Assassin's Creed Origins. Yep. So um, of course, shouts to all of our Patreon supporters. That's M. Collins, Sean Gorty, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Ladawin Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, Miguel, and Mark. Thank you guys for your support. And, you know, as you guys know, we've been running um, a giveaway for Assassin's Creed Origins. You know, we had submissions, and of course, our Patreon supporters were automatically entered into the giveaway also. But the winner was um, a Mr. Yannick uh, Tridiu. Um, I hope I pronounced that correctly. But yeah, that was the winner of this giveaway. So um, shouts to him. And um, yeah, shouts to everyone who joined us in the chat today. You know, I saw Mark in there, Miguel, you know, all the regulars. Um, Reggie was there, Dreadhead. You know, shouts to all you guys. And thanks for joining us. Um, big shouts to Ramiz for joining us as well. And I've been seeing, um, I actually saw him draw, you know, um, I think it was Obi-Wan Kenobi earlier today. So, yeah, definitely check out his um, his drawings and, you know, his graphic work and stuff like that. Because he's definitely talented. Um, and, yeah, shouts to all you guys for, you know, being on the show every week. You know, we might have missed a week last week due to, you know, unfortunate circumstances and stuff like that. But um, this show is great, man. And I like that so many people get involved and interact with us. So yeah, big shouts to you, Rich, Max, Dana, JJ, you know, and everyone else involved and big shouts to the Throwdown crew as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be sure to check out their Throwdown, your questions episode later tonight. And um, oh yeah, the one last thing I was going to say, we are going to be doing another giveaway this week. So stay tuned for that very, very soon. Um, it may be either tomorrow or Tuesday. I'm thinking it's going to be Tuesday. You'll see which game it is. I'm not going to uh, reveal the game quite yet, but I'll just say a lot of people have requested that we do a giveaway for that game. So stay tuned for more information on that soon. But uh, that's it for this week. Uh, we hope you all have a great rest of the day, and we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>